0: Dear Young Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis. Dear Young Rocker, Even though this is the first episode of Season 3, this is the last episode that will be entirely your story. We're going to hear stories from some amazing other rockers soon, but we'll get to that later. For now, a recap. Over the past two seasons, you grew so darn much. Listeners saw you start in season one as a kid who couldn't even talk to another human being without nearly peeing her pants and feeling so invisible that she wasn't even sure if she was real. Spoiler alert here, listeners. If you haven't already listened to seasons one and two, well, this podcast is told from beginning to end, and I'm about to recap the whole thing. So you might want to start at the top of season one and make your way back here before continuing. As those who listened through know, at age 11, you discovered your greatest love, music, especially rock music, and especially the bass guitar. Like any great love story, it had its ups and downs. There was the honeymoon phase as you devoured new albums and practiced your heart out and even got up the courage to join a band and play shows in front of other people. Then it got complicated when being in a band with boys led to drama that left you nearly friendless by high school graduation. You survived college without a band and got through some bad music teachers, a yoga cult, and toxic relationships. At the end of college, you were left feeling like music had betrayed you and thought of breaking it off with your greatest love for good. Without that rock in your life, you spent a million hours worrying about what you should do as a career and trying to find the perfect college major and of course failing because nothing's perfect. You did somehow graduate though and did find your other equally important life's passion, writing. At the end of season two, you started to put it all together when your heart told you you needed to come back to playing rock. You felt a burning desire to write your own songs and start your own band. And a burning desire to write down your own story for those who could use it. And you did all of that. Now, at 29, you think you don't know what your life's purpose is for some reason. Even though it's been screaming at you for a couple years now. Here you are with the draft of a book written about just that. It's a memoir called Bass Player, and you have no idea what to do with it. You're currently teaching college students writing as a quote unquote professor during the day. And at night playing at parties for those same college kids in basement shows, blasting your soul out in distorted power chords to their sweaty banging heads. The power you first felt behind the bass at 15 to move people is still the best feeling in the world. But you're being told more and more from both the outside and from within that you should be spending your spare time on LinkedIn. So you've washed out the yellow and pink from your hair and gotten a cute but professional cut. It's time to grow up and get that company salary because you're almost 30, right? At the same time, you know music needs to be in your life because without it, you wither. So what do you do now? student center is silent. It's Saturday and I'm stuck working here for eight hours. All I hear is the hum from the HVAC. I'm the only person on this floor. I probably won't see another soul today. The kids at this college don't seem to be big weekend studiers. I cannot stand staring at the door to the bathroom any longer, so I step out from behind the huge welcome desk and go look out the windows again. It's the first sunny, drippy 50 degree weekend day of the year out there. I wanna be in the woods, but instead I'm spending the entire thing indoors, shivering as the air vent blows on me in my office khakis and cardigan. I imagine what the kids who saw me screaming through a crackling PA about death last night would think if they saw me now. I flash back to last night's show. The ancient wooden floored room had a few people but wasn't as full as we'd hoped. Which was fine. We've played a few packed ones lately and I figured more people would show up later, but I felt a little bad for the touring band. Then I remembered the three other really good shows happening tonight and realized why. This one was all ages and I definitely saw some parental drop-offs. The night started off on a bad foot because as I was setting up my amp, I realized my speaker cable was not in my gear bag. I had to drive all the way back to my house to get it and come back again, because of course my weird bass cab only takes a speak-on cable. That meant we couldn't play the opening slot and had to make the touring band play before anyone had arrived. I nodded along to their songs. They were all good players, the songs were written well, but the music wasn't like weird enough to grab me so I couldn't really pay attention. We play so many shows now, I feel like I'm getting jaded hearing so many slightly different versions of what's starting to sound like the same exact three or four chord progressions and vocal melodies over and over. Even though when I was a kid, I would have been thrilled to see this band. These days, I mostly just think about how much my knees hurt and how I'd like to go to bed during most band sets, and I hate myself for it. I'm older than most people we play with and for, and even my own bandmates. Too bad I wasted my college days not in a band. When we got up to play, I just felt ashamed for having the touring band play to no one because of my goof, and was already dreading the coming Saturday in the abandoned student center. It just made me want to play louder and sloppier and faster than usual and not bother with any of my typical sort of cute, sort of awkward banter. It felt like I was phoning it in, but aggressively. When we played my song, Die Alone, I leaned into screaming the words. Remembering the homeless man at the coffee shop who told me I was a cold bitch and that I'd die alone, after I denied him his fourth free coffee of the day. Company policy, you know. It's kind of a dark joke to myself about how I never bring anyone in too close to me. Sometimes embracing depression by screaming about it feels like power, but the feeling only lasts as long as the song does. I cut our set short after only a few songs, and I didn't say thank you to the crowd because I didn't feel like I deserved it, and I didn't wait for the weak clapping to finish before backing up from the mic and packing my stuff up. I only half-mumbled an introduction to the other bands. I felt like a jerk. After that, it got worse. An emo band played next that no one seemed to enjoy, and the remaining few audience members all completely left. So did the touring band, and they took their drum kit away, so I had to make my friends go back and get their whole kit just to play to no one. I felt horrible asking them to do that. My head started throbbing as a stress migraine began bubbling up, and I knew I had no way of stopping it. I thought of just walking out the door and leaving my bandmates. God, three years of this band, and this is where we're still at, huh? As my friend's band returned, I started to cry out of annoyance and exhaustion. I tried to let myself get lost for a minute, headbanging along to their early Nirvana-esque riffs, but I guess once in a while, even music can't bring me out of the depths. I snap back to reality in the student center, still feeling tense. This job? has so little to occupy my mind that I always end up falling into my classic Chelsea anxiety spirals. But I guess 15 bucks an hour to do nothing besides occasionally refill a printer, tell college kids who think I am the same age as them to stop rolling on the floor like babies, or pick up their left-behind fast food wrappers isn't too bad. Just slightly soul-crushing. I am regretting getting my master's degree and acquiring $70,000 of debt more every single day. Why did I spend three years and all that money to write a book that will never see the light of day? I walk back to my desk to check in on one of my other jobs. I open my laptop and click onto the website looking over the copy I wrote. I had this idea a few months ago that I could start a copywriting career but since I don't have enough experience to get a full-time job in it, I found this new nonprofit podcast company just getting started. They needed someone to write the copy on their website, and I volunteered. I was excited to do it even for free because it's a kid's science podcast. Each episode is this fun, imaginative adventure, just like the magic school bus. Now they actually pay me a few bucks, too. Before this, I had never thought about podcasts at all. I had never touched that purple button on my phone they seemed like something for people who listen to obnoxious talk radio. But as I've listened to WoW in the world, I realized they can actually be produced in a cool and creative way. They can tell stories. I opened the notebook on my desk and started journaling furiously to release the building tension in my brain. I've been trying to subtly convince my podcast bosses that I could probably help them make the show since I know how to record music and edit audio, But they weren't impressed when they asked if I used Pro Tools, and I said no, since I just don't have the money for it. I'm sure I could figure it out, though, and obviously I can write. Everyone keeps telling me I should advocate for myself, that you have to make your own opportunities and risk feeling pushy with bosses, because otherwise you'll just be overlooked. But every time I mention that I'd love to write a script or make some audio... I feel more and more like an annoying, ungrateful worker because I never really get a response. I don't know if they actually don't believe I'm capable or I'm just not trying hard enough. God, if someone on this planet would just give me a damn chance, maybe I could stop working five jobs. I'm teaching classes and tutoring at two other colleges, teaching a public speaking class here in addition to babysitting the student center where everyone thinks I'm a work-study undergrad, plus doing admin stuff now for this podcast. I work from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday, and another eight-hour shift here every other Saturday. And then I pick up coffee shop shifts once in a while still, too. Not a single one of my jobs has any possibility for ever moving up or getting paid holidays or even getting any sort of a raise because college jobs are contracted. I had really hoped my podcast bosses would be interested in mentoring me a little so I could grow with the company and eventually take stuff off their plates, but I guess they're too busy running the business for that. I tried one crack at a messy draft of an episode after being told I could get some feedback on my script writing, but instead they just never responded to what I sent in, never gave me any feedback to make it better, learn what to do. I guess I should have edited it more before sending it in, but... I was just looking for advice so I could get started. When they hired this seemingly very random Australian guy to write scripts instead, they spent hours on the phone with him each week helping him edit his scripts to make his writing better. Guess I wasn't even worth the time to train. Well, I tried, and I even got to talk to Guy Raz on the phone. I'm 29 for Christ's sake, and I still only make $25,000 a year. And I work constantly, I mean, it's enough for me to live on with my five roommates in our cheap house between a tow yard, the highway underpass, and an electric plant, but I'm in one of the most expensive cities in the country. As I watch the words on the page, I see myself trying to decide which one I hate more. The universe for not giving me an opportunity, or myself for somehow not creating a new one on top of what I'm already doing. I feel my dress shirt getting moist in the armpits. I have that angry punk feeling, that feeling of being trapped like an animal in a cage. I know I cannot stand one more minute in this goddamn building with nothing to distract me from anxiety. That's it, break time. I put away my computer in the cabinet locker that doesn't actually lock, and I bust out the double doors. The sun and fresh air feel like I haven't felt them in a hundred years, like I was locked up in a dungeon. I start for the short walking trail on the other side of the parking lot, still seething, but at least now I'm channeling it into my breath and my walking. Soon, my rapid thoughts start feeling powerful rather than overpowering. Then, maybe I'm trying too hard to get other people's approval or permission to do the work I want to do, but... I can't just keep doing unpaid stuff and living with five roommates and hoping my old car never decides to break down. Thank God I have free state health insurance and don't have to pay a single dollar for doctors or prescriptions. Honestly, it's the only reason I'm able to exist on this earth without massive credit card debt. God bless the socialist commonwealth of Massachusetts. I've applied to over 100 full-time jobs at this point. Every single one that gave me an interview told me how wonderful and creative I am. But after the inevitable two weeks of silence, I always found out there was just some other mysterious person with the tiniest shred more experience in marketing, analytics, or blog writing, or freaking customer support for Christ's sake. And I always ask follow-up questions to find out what the manager liked about the other applicant until they finally slip up and say him and mention his confidence. Maybe I should think more about podcasts, but just like copywriting, I don't have a portfolio. So how could I get a podcast job? And how do I make a portfolio when I definitely can't afford a third degree and every internship requires you to either be in college or a recent grad? Okay, wait, why did that Australian guy get that script writing job and not me? I looked at his LinkedIn, and he worked in, like, production coordination for an animated kids' TV show before this. He didn't have any writing degree or a science writing internship like me or any podcast experience. Reading the factual science errors in his scripts and the cliched dialogue drove me totally nuts. But now I realize what it was. He'd started that YouTube channel where he was like, Science is amazing. That's why they hired him. That's what did it. He put himself out there. And I bet the accent helped too. Oh my God, obviously. I just have to make a podcast. All of it. Every aspect. I could create music and make sound effects and write scripts and produce it all myself. That'll show my bosses. They'll see. I'll have a great reel, or whatever you call it, and get a job as a producer. No more spreadsheets of t-shirt orders. But what the hell will it be about? Maybe the story I was writing for my NOVA internship about the science of free will? Yeah, probably some type of science writing. My previous, attempted and failed before even getting started, career. I stop walking when I see a little bird sitting on the path, looking up at me. Its little beady eyes are saying something. I squint at him. A voice pops in my head. You know the answer. You just don't want to admit it for some reason. What a rude bird. I shoo him off. He's right, though. I know what the story should be. My MFA thesis, bass player. Those 277 pages sitting in that drawer that I never open. I always feel them silently judging me for never putting them out into the world. I just totally shut down once I was told by a couple book agents that I'm not famous enough to publish a memoir and that I need to build some huge online presence first to get a book deal. That felt so impossible in between working all these damn jobs and running my band. All my free time is playing shows or writing songs or doing band practice or making t-shirts or trying to promote the band online. I've already spent three years spilling my blood into this creation, and that all meant nothing. Apparently, writing books no longer qualifies you to be an author, yet being internet famous qualifies you to do absolutely anything you want. I slow down my pace because I'm getting back to the building. My fear comes into my conscious mind, and I realize what was blocking me from having this idea, why I sort of don't want to do it. I wanted this story to be out in the world, spread far and wide, to help as many people as possible. So, if it's just a 10-minute mock-up I create for a podcast portfolio to get a job somewhere... (sighs) Wait, I think. Can, like, any old person publish a podcast, like, onto all the apps without having a network? I think I heard that you can, but you probably have to know stuff about, like, RSS feeds and be good with making websites to do it. I go back into the stupid cold school building, feeling immediately physically depressed, but at least I have a mission now. I start Googling and find out my answer. Yeah, you can do it yourself. Takes a few steps, apparently. You do have to make a website to host it and use some plugins, but... This guy in this online video course can teach me the whole process for 10 bucks. I pull out my debit card, feeling electric. I don't know how in the hell I'm gonna pull off this adaptation. I'll probably have to change the writing a little and maybe I'll change the name too. If it's going out into other people's ears, it should be more personal, more for them. Really make it for the kids it could help. Make it feel like I'm talking to them. The story I wish I could have heard. More focused on the advice parts of the book, like letters to a younger me. Like an advice column, but to myself. Like, dear Prudence, or dear Sugar, dear, 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 dear young rocker. I say it aloud to the empty room. My stomach has a little lightning bolt in it. It's equally happy, and terrifying. I'm sitting in my desk chair in my room with my guitar still on my lap. I finally nailed the take of the lead guitar. I press play on my garage band session. The theme song I wrote plays in my ears. Damn, I'm still not actually sick of this at all. I think I wrote me a hit, I say to Simba, my roommate's sleepy cat. The song ending still needs something. I can feel it, but I don't have enough production experience to know what that is. it needs to have that lingering haunting feeling at the end like all good TV show theme songs do. Since I weirdly can't seem to find any podcasts out there that sound anything like the one I imagine and I'm trying to create, I instead think about TV shows when I make all the audio parts and write the scenes. That's why I decided to create these little recurring musical transitions. It reminds me of my favorite 90s sitcoms. Who wouldn't know the Seinfeld bass scene transition in a heartbeat and immediately want to laugh? They give you that homie, I love this show feeling, and I hope mine will do that for my audience too. I have no idea if anyone's done this before in a podcast. I have a whole entire movie in my head of each episode, and if I knew anything about making videos or had tons of money, I would make a YouTube series, but... For now, my goal is to use audio to put the audience there physically, to see what I see and feel what I feel. That's always been my goal with my writing, to transmit what I feel directly into the reader's mind, which is probably why I can never finish anything. It's a pretty lofty goal, but being able to add sound effects actually makes it a little easier. Describing sounds is pretty hard. Since I have zero electronic music equipment, I mean like not even a keyboard, I open the garage band window that lets me type drum sounds on the computer. I hit the record button and count to myself as the song plays. I play a snare fill at the tail end with a pickup. Sounds cool, but it needs some ambiance. I mess with reverb and echo and then do some stuff with EQ. I listen back and get goosebumps. Yes, I say aloud. It sounds like a TV theme song. I add this accomplishment to my mental list of things I've never done before that I have figured out all by myself while making this pilot episode. Guess I don't need any recording degree or the approval of the public radio snobs. I export the song and drag it into my session for the pilot episode of the show. I click through the episode, making sure nothing has gotten off or sounds wonky. I still don't really know how to move all the sound effects forward or back at once. So if it gets messed up, I have to start editing the entire thing over. Another two hours down the drain. Thankfully, it seems like I'm done. As I export the episode, I have this dorky, involuntary laugh with an explosion of air. (laughs) Huh? It's similar to when I feel extremely uncomfortable in tense social situations and do a nervous laugh that makes everyone look at me like I'm nuts, and is usually accompanied by my face turning very red. But this laugh was created by something inside me. It's pride. It's self-worth. And it had to forcibly just bubble up out of me. It's so foreign of a feeling that it's almost uncomfortable. I have the urge to get up and go for a walk, but I try to sit here and let myself take the compliment from myself. I blink away a tear. Okay, get back to work, Chelsea. We're nowhere near done yet, dude. As I watch the file upload into the RSS plugin and presumably get ready to be blasted into the void of the internet, I do my best to believe that it will actually really truly appear in the podcast store without being completely messed up. Or even that it will get there, period. I had so many weird error messages setting up my feed that Google couldn't help me with that I am absolutely amazed I got this far. I feel shaky. I think back to the hundreds of hours alone that went into this, sitting in my closet, writing and rewriting the script from my thesis after I learned you can't just read a book into a mic and have it sound anything like a script. I realized that my on-the-page writing voice sounded so clipped and terse and, like, masculine. More like the Cormac mccarthy styled dark, bloody short stories I used to write. I still can't believe how hard it was to learn to sound like my actual self, and not like an author. I agonized over each decision to cut moments of my life that felt so important because the episodes would be too long with them friends and family members who are complex humans but took up too many pages had to be reduced to a couple sentences. But I figured out how to find little sparks, those nuggets that said what I was trying to say in a couple sentences instead of 10 pages. I boiled things down to their emotional core. It was tough. It emotionally wiped me out just like writing the book itself had done. Afternoons spent laying on the floor, staring at the ceiling, sort of crying on and off. The audio stuff was the fun part. No matter how many roadblocks I hit from my lack of knowledge, I enjoyed troubleshooting until I figured out whatever technique I needed to make it sound like it did in my head. I'm a stubborn problem solver. I previously had no interest in learning to make a WordPress website. Now I'm great at it, because I had to for this story. I'd do anything for it. I look at the loading bar. It's at the end, but not finishing. I panic and try to breathe. I certainly never learned how to do voiceover work, but I recorded the same parts over and over until they sounded like me and like I really care, because I do. When I needed help finding the energy in my voice, I would just close my eyes and imagine young me looking right at me with her shrugged shoulders and her permanent pout. And then it came out exactly like it should. Then I learned the biggest trick of them all. If you speak slow, you sound emotional, that's it. But hey, I'm thinking of this as my own self-inflicted free second master's degree in podcast production and script writing, and hosting, and podcast music composition, and sound design. File uploaded, success. Please allow 24 hours for changes to be reflected in the iTunes store. I breathe in and bounce in my chair. I let out a yelp, ah! My room is silent apart from Simba's little snores. There's no one here to clap for me like at a show. It feels like I just composed and played an entire album of my greatest work to an anonymous audience of silent, emotionless cardboard figures. Or I built an incredible new invention and threw it into a black hole. What a weird thing to do with the most intense creative work of my life that I made for absolutely no one on this planet but me. I guess this is why most podcasts have separate people as hosts, producers, writers, and musicians. I just did the work of four or five people with no experience in any one of those categories. As much as I wish I had someone to share this moment with, something about doing it entirely alone kind of feels right. It's about my relationship with myself, after all. I guess lonely pursuits are the name of the game when it comes to being me. But this one feels so important for all the other alone people. I imagine it in the ears of someone who needs it. I see them thinking about me and me thinking about them. And I feel less alone. I wonder if anyone in the world will ever listen to it. Dear Young Rocker, Hey, you did it. You took a pretty big step on the journey to being you, but you don't see that yet. You haven't realized that the big lesson in this is that creating your own work with utmost creative control and with absolutely no demands or pressure from anyone else in the world is where you flourish and when you feel valuable to the planet and that you need to always follow that instinct and protect it. A job given to you by someone else will never make you you, so stop freaking out about it and just trust me that you'll always have at least some income. And getting money for your creative pursuits won't make them more valid or even make you feel better about them for more than a few seconds. Well, okay, yes, it will sort of impress your parents. You know that whether someone blows up online or not is always partly a crapshoot made up of the mystifying social media algorithms, people's constantly changing micro tastes, and if the title has keywords people are already searching for online. If you try to copy something viral the same day it comes out, you're already too late. So you might as well create something that appeals across time and generations and let the universe take the wheel. And you've done that. If you make something you like, that means something to you. It will touch others and it is never a waste of time. It's still just hard to let yourself believe how good your work is when it feels so invisible. You can't directly see any immediate outside response to it, but you've planted a seed in the universe and the universe has noticed, I promise. You have poured out your soul in service to others That matters more than a billion million downloads. You just need to be patient. You will do all the things you need to do that you think you can't do. You will go to terrifyingly large networking events in other cities where you know absolutely no one, and you will brag about your podcast to strangers because you know it deserves to be bragged about. You know that having absolutely no training or experience or cred with the fancy radio people will make it exceedingly hard to get anyone to give you the time of day, but you will fight for it anyway. Others will brag about you too, and it will help. It will all be alternatively frustrating and freeing. And yep, playing in a rock band as we get older gets harder. You just have to decide what parts of it you really care about and focus on those. Four years from now, you're actually going to miss playing shows again. But if I told you why you aren't playing anymore, you would not believe me. Soon enough, you will have two full seasons under your belt and finally some people behind you. You'll feel like you've told your story as well and as in-depth as you could. And that as much as your listeners love hearing your voice, that it's time for them to hear other stories. Because you want to expand your skills as a producer, but mostly because other musicians grew up differently than you. They started playing guitar 10 years earlier or 10 years later than you. They grew up in cultures and communities where they weren't supported for being who they are. They were bullied and they hated themselves for different reasons than you. And just like you, they got through it all. You're going to help them tell those stories in season three. So, my dear listeners, y'all are going to hear stories from people who are not me from now on. I'll be with you along the way, introducing my rocker friends. But I'll be letting them take the lead vocal mic while I sing backup and shake the tambourine a little. I actually really love playing tambourine, but no one will ever let me. Anyway, I'm excited to present these people to you. They've worked incredibly hard on writing their own stories in the Dear Young Rocker format, and it really shows. So I hope you will support them all and listen to all of their incredible music. But mostly, I hope you find a little of yourself or someone you love in their stories, just like you did with me. Next time on Dear Young Rocker, Amy Hoffman of the band Future Teens takes us back to a special time at camp and tells us about finding the confidence to be yourself in front of other people for the first time. Dear Young Rocker comes to you from Double Elvis and iHeartRadio. It's executive produced by Jake Brennan of Disgraceland. It was created and is produced, written, and hosted by me, Chelsea Erson. I also created the theme song. Colin Fleming helps with sound design and mixing, and Auto Clamor provides editing and production assistance. If you enjoy this podcast, please, please let me know by sending in a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also hang out with me virtually by following at Dear Young Rocker on Instagram. Please do not hesitate to send me a message there. And also follow Double Elvis for news about all of our new cool music podcasts. And if you'd like some snazzy DYR buttons or a t-shirt, go to doubleelvis.com shop. As always, the best thing you could ever do for this show is to share it with someone who you think would like it. Or just everyone you've ever met. Thanks, rockers. Dear Young Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.